There we go. So those of you that have been watching online, you missed something really, really good and funny, and that's okay. Too bad for you. It's <laughs> you didn't have to hear what I had to say, so that's good. So God bless you all this morning, and welcome. Welcome to our second Sunday of the new year. Could you believe it? <clears throat> our second Sunday of the new year. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's been a busy eight days. It doesn't feel like it's a brand new year. It feels like the old year just it kept on motoring on. That wheel kept on going, right? Who, who said we changed the chapter and who said we changed the date? It just kept going and going and going. It was busy. What did you do? How did you enjoy your break? What break? No, it just was busy, busy. So some of you are going into work tomorrow, back to school tomorrow, back to schedules. Um, and some of you are saying, I never left the schedule and I've been still going. Uh, so whatever place you're in, new year, a new purpose. A new year, a new purpose. But let me tell you, the purpose is not actually new. Your purpose to walk in the purpose is what is new. Because God's purposes for your life were established long before you were born. Before you were born, I knew you. And because he knew you, he established his plan and his purposes for your life. Ecclesiastes says that there is a time and a season for everything. If we go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time what? To be born and a time to die. Right there, it lets us know that there has been an established purpose over your life. A time in which God determined you were to be born and a time in which God determined that you will die. You will not die before that appointed time. Before that appointed time, I don't care what the doctors speak over you, tell you one month, two months, six months, hours, you will not go before the appointed time that God has established. It's a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. God's purposes have been established in a time, and that time is within his hand. He holds the clock. He is the one that established time. He is the one who set forth day and night. He is the one who distinguished between the two. And so whatever purposes that he has planned... When it's a new year and a new purpose, it's not really a new purpose. It's your new intention to walk in the purposes of God. Ezekiel 36 and 26 to 27 says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit with you, within you and cause you to walk, run my statues, and be careful to obey my rules. I will put my spirit within 
in you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. If he is going to put it in you, if he's going to take out that, that heart of flesh that makes you resilient to his Holy Spirit, that makes you uh, standoffish to his ways and his plans for your life, he is going to take out that heart of stone and restore it with a heart of flesh, one that is moldable, one that is transformable, one that he could have governance over, that you would walk, walk in his statue and to what be careful to obey obedience is the key to your purposes walking in the obedience of God is the key to walking in a new year with a new purpose for the old purpose that God has established over your life it's not about a resolution this morning it's not about the list that you made at 11:59 on D- December 31st It's not about that because most of you already have failed in that department. I have resolved and I resolved a long time ago never to make a a New Year's resolution. Because what do you resolve? What do you resolute? Is that a word? What do you resolute? Nothing. All it does is make you feel guilty for failing. And so resolve today not to make a resolution, but resolve today to walk in obedience to the new year and the new purpose of walking in God's purposes. So I trust that you've overcome your turkey coma, have you? So that means you'll all be awake today. I I won't be looking out over the the sea of people and see some of you in the intercessory rest. (laughs) Just, just, hmm, hmm, right? Intercessory rest, it happens best in church on Sunday mornings, Wednesday night prayer meetings and Bible studies. That's the best place where people get their deepest rest. So I trust that you're over your turkey coma, your fish, your fish fest. I don't know what type of fest you all have. I, I have a, a strong feeling that rice is the substance of it. <laughs> My friend back there all knows right very well about the, you know, we had a banquet back in the beginning of December. Believe it or not, this is part of the sermon. We had a banquet back in the beginning of December, and we all were to bring something cultural to our, our culture. <laughs> we were to bring a plate to our culture, and I never saw so much rice. <laughs> I dreamed rice. I opened my eyes in the morning, the next morning I saw rice. I got up in the middle of the night, I, I saw rice. Rice was peas, rice, and you guys say peas, I say beans. Yeah, rice in all different forms and shapes. I was amazed at the amount of rice. And so if you have come seduced by a rice coma this morning, I pray that that has um, gone out with 2022. We're going to look at a new year and a new purpose, but we're going to look at a man. And on Wednesday nights, we've been uh, studying the life of Elijah. And this man uh, has so many great principles to teach us. If you've been tracking along with us tonight, we're going to dip, this morning, we're going to dip into a little bit of some things that we have seen in Elijah because he exemplifies for us who we are, and how we could walk out the purposes of God in our life. 
Elijah had a God-size purpose. He had a God-size assignment over his life. You this morning have a God-size purpose over your life. You have a God-size assignment over your life. Logos Church has a God-size purpose. Logos Church has a God-size assignment. God has established that this church is going to accomplish something according to his plan. And so we need to tap into that this morning. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. If his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, then whatever I think I am supposed to do, God has something yet higher. He has the bar yet higher. If I have established I'm going to go this far, God has established I will go yet that much further. We have to tap into what God has established for our life and not be faltering at the limitations that we see around us. He will accomplish all that he has intended to accomplish. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans what? For your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Are you already in despair this morning on the eighth day of this new year? Have you already lost hope? Have you already felt the encumbering weight of of things that you thought would be that have not been yet? God has a plan for you and a plan for your welfare, not for evil, but a plan to give you a future and a hope. This morning, you can put your hope in God. This, by the way, I need to just pause for a moment. At least you think it's a name it and claim it and, and a hoopla message. It's not that. But you need to understand some very basic principles. God has a plan for your life this morning. God has a plan for this church this morning. And it doesn't matter what the enemy will do. We will see. It doesn't matter what the enemy will do. Nothing can thwart his plan. Nothing can thwart his plan. Because we live in the now, God lives in the past, the present, and the future. Therefore, and you need to capture this, therefore, when he calls us into his purposes, he doesn't call us from where we are right now, nor does he call us from where we were yesterday, but he calls us from here where we are to come to. So he calls us from our purpose to come into our purpose. He calls us from our purposes into his purpose. The Lord's vision for our life is not a brand new vision. It's a new year with a new purpose to accomplish his purposes. Our current situation and our current circumstances cause us to look at life through a narrow window. A narrow window. 
And sometimes that narrow window has those flaps that the horses have on their eyes that, that prevent them from seeing the traffic on the road that's coming around them. Because everybody knows that if a horse sees the traffic that's coming on the road alongside of it, then the horse will be easily startled. And the, and the um, what do you call the guy that's leading the horse? Yeah, okay, the jockey. <laughs> The jockey could easily be thrown from the horse, but the jockey has to maintain control if the horse gets distracted. But God does not see through the same narrow vision as we see. God does not have flaps over our eyes. God has a panoramic view that sees the end from the beginning. He sees the whole scope. In fact, he has made that full picture. That full picture has been established and ordained and created by him. And so we look at a man this morning whose name was Elijah. And what was Elijah's problem? Elijah was on the run. Elijah was on the run. Here he had accomplished so many things, but he was on a run. Why? Because there was a lady named Jezebel who was after his life. You cannot see God's purposes nor hear his voice concerning his purpose if you're going to be caught up in the dilemma of what's happening right now. If you're going to be caught up in everything that is going on wrong right now, you are not going to hear the voice of God and you are not going to see the purposes of God. You are going to be uh, blinded by everything that is happening around you because the enemy is going to try to ensnare you. So many of us are more interested in, in knowing that God is going to our, give us our answer right now, give us our answer as we have prayed Lord I want to know your will for our life and so we therefore think that in that moment in that time frame that we give him God I need an answer by today God I need an answer by the end of this week and we feel that because we don't get the answer in that moment or in that week or in that time frame that we have given that he is not hearing Rather than trusting in the fact that he sees the end from the beginning, he sees the whole thing and he has a perfect plan and he has a breakthrough that is coming your way. But we have to trust him in that plan. When, you have to, when you're given a, a prescription of antibiotics, you may begin to feel good the very first day, but you still have to finish the course of the antibiotics before you feel the full results of it. You might get a, a, an inkling within your heart. God has heard my prayer. I don't see the answer. God, God, I, I, I thought that I, I, I thought that I, I knew you. I, I thought you were going to break through. God, I, I, I had that feeling, but God, I'm not seeing the answer. You need to hold fast to the fact that He is the God that hears and answers prayer, and He is acting on your behalf. He is going to break through. He will speak a word at the right time at the appointed time why because again everything about God is in its season and in his time we need to set our eyes not on the answer that we're wanting but on who the answer is the one 
that is the answer. Why? Because he is before all things and he holds all things in his hands. Do you actually believe this morning that he holds your life in his hands? Because if you believe that he holds his life, your life within his hands, then you will trust him with the parts that you don't see the answer to yet. I don't know today, Lord, what will be the result then. I don't even know one month from now. I don't even know three months from now. I don't know six months from now. But one thing I do know, Lord, you've been with me before. You've provided for me before. You've healed before. You've answered before. And so though I don't see right now, Though I feel as though I see in part right now, I know, Lord, I know, Lord, that you will bring the answer. There are times that I have had to walk the journey so blindly, not knowing what the end will look like, not knowing what the end result will be, but I've had to encourage myself in this, Lord, you've answered before. Lord, you have answered before. Lord, in the brink of time, Lord, you brought the answer before. And so I'm trusting you once again that you are going to bring the answer. It may not be on the clock that I think it needs to be on. It may not be in the hour that I think it must come. But Lord, I know with you, your timing is perfect. And I know your answer is for of my welfare because you have a plan plan for my life. And so, Lord, I will keep walking these steps. Lord, I will keep trusting you because I know that I am in the palm of your hand. Because your word promises me that you're holding all things together. You're holding all things together. And so, Lord, I'm trusting you because we need to know, as I've said already, he, God is not speaking in our moment. He is speaking from our end and he is calling us to his purpose. He's speaking to us where we will be when our purpose is accomplished and he's calling to us, I know the plans that I have for you. I'm standing in the accomplished purpose that I have for you. When I say that I know the plans for you, I am standing in those plans. When I say I know my purposes for you, I am standing in the accomplished purpose. I am at the end calling you into my plans and my purposes for your life. Elijah was tracking very well. We first see him in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, and he goes up to Ahab and he says to him, Ahab, there's going to be neither rain on the earth except but that I have delivered the word. Neither rain or dew on the earth except that I have delivered the word. And then he, then as, as that proclamation goes forth, there's not going to be any more rain. And in other words, there's going to be a famine. Ahab, get ready, there's going to be a famine. Immediately, God says to 
Elijah, go to Cherith. In verse three, go to Cherith, Elijah. So what does Elijah do? The purpose of God is that he is to go to Cherith. And so Elijah walks in the purposes of God. He obeys God's voice and he goes to Cherith. What happens there in Cherith? Well, he is fed by ravens. Ravens are a very unclean animal. And yet Elijah has to trust God that he is gonna provide for him, that he's gonna meet his need. And so what does he do? He eats from these ravens who provide his meat and his bread on a daily basis. I don't see what's going on, Lord. I know there is a famine in the land. I gave the word to Ahab just as you put it in my mouth to speak. And now, Lord, you have called me here to Cherith, and you're feeding me with this unclean animal, and I'm going to continue to trust you. And, lo, we don't see any more than that uh, Elijah's walking in that obedience and as he, if you could say in our earthly terms, passes a test, God says to him, Elijah, it's time now for you to go to a place where a wo- widow will feed you. Go to Zarephath. And so in, in, in 1 Kings 17, verse 4, Elijah makes this trek to Zarephath. The purpose of God for Elijah is to do one thing in this, in this sphere of three and a half years where there's a famine on the land. He is to bring down the idols of Baal. He's to bring down the prophets of Baal. And so God has that established plan over his life. But before Elijah could accomplish that plan, he needed to walk in the obedience of faith. Learning to trust God when he doesn't know where he's going. Where are we going, God? Where are we going? Where are you going, Elijah? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, but God said to bring a word to a man. And so I brought the word to the man. Where are you going, Elijah? I don't know, but God said to just go to Cherith. And so I'm going there. What are you doing? What, how are you going to eat, Elijah? I don't know, but God said to go to Cherish, and I'm going there, and as he goes there, God makes the provision for him. You won't always have all the answers, but you have to walk in the obedience of what God is directing you to do. And as you get there, and as you walk in that obedience, he will continue to unfold his provision for you. And so there in Cherish, he obeyed God. He ate from the ravens even though his customary law taught him don't eat from these unclean animals. And he walks in that obedience. Where are you going, Elijah? I don't know, but God told me I need to go to Zarephath. Zarephath, Elijah, there's a famine in the land. How will you take care of yourself there in in Zarephath? I don't know, but God told me to go. And there I would meet a widow And so he goes to Zarephath and he meets a widow and she has planned that this is going to be her last meal with her and her son. She has planned that we have nothing else. We have nothing else and so I will just prepare something for me and my son and then we will die. She had lost her hope. 
She had lost her hope because there was a famine in the land. There was no provision. The, the looking out the window said, there is no hope for you. There is no job for you. There's not enough money to make the bills meet. You can't afford the groceries now. The food is going up higher and higher. And so this widow lady says, I don't know, but my son and I, we're going to have our last meal. And God puts her into the test. She puts her into the test with another man who's also in an incubator called faith development. And as he's in that incubator, he's walking in obedience to where God is calling him to. And he lands there and he says to her, if you could imagine the gall. He says to her, would you prepare first for me a meal? I'm sorry, but who are you? And I'm, uh, me and my son were just going to eat our last meal. We were just preparing our last meal. And after this, we would die. And you want me to give of my last first to you? You will not always have the full picture to your purpose. But when you obey... When you obey, that seed of obedience begins to grow. Begins to grow. And so Elijah says to her, I promise you this, that the oil won't run out, nor will the flower, until... I've spoken. He promises to her again. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not run out. It shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. Why? Because he said to Ahab, there'll be neither dew nor rain until I have spoken. And so there he is, and she prepares for him a meal. And what happened? Each day when she went to that jar, there was sufficient for the day, sufficient for the hour, what they needed for their provision. Everything that they needed was there before them each day as she went to the jar you're worried about the rise in gas you're worried about the rise in food you're worried because the standard of your employment that the money that you are receiving is not in comparison to the way everything is rising the inflation of living the way the wages are in comparison to inflation you're worried that there's not going to be enough you keep walking in obedience you keep trusting him and do you know what will happen each time you go to the pantry each time you go to the fridge each time you go to the grocery store there will be the provision made for you the jar will not become empty the oil won't run dry why because not because you've got this name it and claim it oh god no, because you're walking in obedience, because you're trusting in the Lord. And there they went for many days, trusting God, the word says. Many days they ate. But then tragedy hits. 
her son dies. And she goes to Elijah. Now, can I just put my rendition on it? You want to make a fool of me? You want to make a fool of me? You come to my house, the nerve of you to come to my house in a time of lean days when I am a widow and you want me to prepare for you and now my only hope for someone to care for me, my only hope for someone who will provide for me as I grow older is now died? Who are you, Elijah? But Elijah takes that son in obedience once again and he goes and he breathes life into that son. You read the account. This is Elijah. He's walking in the purposes of the Lord. God takes him from obedience to obedience. He is growing in that incubator like a premature baby grows. Each, each time the nurse goes in, the doctors goes in, the parents goes in, they feed the baby. They feed the baby every hour. They feed the baby every two hours. That baby is on a schedule to receive sufficient nutrition to carry it on and to continue its growth. And it's not released from that incubator until the doctors and the medical team sees that it will be able to thrive outside of the incubator. And here is Elijah. He's in the incubator of faith. And God sees that he trusted him in Cherith. He sees that he obeyed him in Cherith. And now he says, okay, Elijah, it's time for you to take another step. And so Elijah honors and, and trusts and he obeys and he walks into that next step. And now he passes that next step in speaking to the lady to ask her to prepare the last meal. And now he sees, okay, now, Elijah, it's time for your faith to grow yet a little stronger. I'm going to take her son's life. And as that son breathes his last, Elijah's faith inhales to breathe yet one more step of obedience. And he prays over this boy, obedience to obedience. His eyes are fixed upon God. When Elijah trusted God, when he walked in obedience, when he walked with purpose, with his eyes upon God, what happened to him was God worked in his life in, in, in unlikely manners. God performed in his life miracles that only could come through God. Because Elijah's faith factor was not on his day-to-day -day of how he was going to orchestrate the, the day's routine, but on how God was going to make provision for the day. Where are you at? There's a famine in the land. There's a famine in the land, and Elijah's eyes are not on the famine. Elijah's eyes are on God, because God is saying to him, just, e Elijah, go. Elijah goes. Elijah, go. And Elijah goes, Elijah say, and Elijah says, when, when your eyes are on God and fixed on him, he will bring you through his purposes for your life. He calls you not from the place you are, 
but from the place he is bringing you to. He calls you not from the place you are, from the place he is bringing you to. You might not be in a good place right now. There might be a famine in your life, maybe not of food, but maybe of hope. There might be a famine in your life because you're filled with discouragement. There might be a famine in your life because you just have not seen breakthrough time and time again. There might be a famine. The famine, you know what the famine looks like in your life. And God says, obey me. Trust me. I've got you in the palm of my hand. I have a plan and I have a purpose, and nothing is going to thwart my plans and my purposes. God had a, a God-sized purpose for Elijah, a God-sized plan for Elijah, enough for him to be able to say when the rains of the heavens would stop, enough for him to be able to raise a dead boy to life, enough for him to then go and call down fire from heaven in the presence of all these Baal worshipers, all these prophets of Baal. Why? Because God had a God-sized purpose. When we think of him being able to call upon God that that boy would live and, and come back to life, then we know that God is growing his faith because yet there's going to be one more big test. One more big test. The Lord, he is God. What happened when Elijah called down fire from heaven? Elijah made sure that that altar was soaked with water. He said, if your God be God, then let him light the, light the, light the fire on the altar. But if God be God, let him light the fire. Again, my rendition, you will have to read all of 18 to understand the full scope. But here Elijah soaks down the altar and he makes sure that that altar is good and wet because everybody knows that you can't light a fire with wet wood. You can't make a fire out of wet ingredients. And so here he is in, in uh, chapter 18, verse 36. And at the time of the offering of the Oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust licked up the water that was in the trench. Nothing could halt the Lord's moving. Nothing could halt the Lord's moving. Why? God, if you be God, God, if you be God, then you show this people. God, if you be God, then you turn the circumstances around. God, if you be God, then you open that door that only you can open. God, if you be God, then you make the provision that only you could provide for. God, if you be God, in the midst of everything that looks so impossible right now, you 
you bring the healing that only you could bring. God, if you be God, when the trenches of my life are filled with water and I feel like that bobbing uh, specimen that's, that a fisherman would throw, God, if I feel like I'm just bobbing at the top of the water, then you be God. And you consume the enemies that are around me. And Lord, you show that you are the miracle-working one. Here, Elijah calls out to God yet another time. God, if you be God. And what did God do? He demonstrated his power. Why? Because it would bring glory to him. And as a result, the people that were there and the people that saw the mighty work of God said, sure enough, the Lord is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It wasn't just said once. It was said a second time. The Lord, he is God. Verses 39 and 40. Why? Because they saw his miracle working power. His miracle working power. You would just have to accept it's a miracle. That's what a doctor said to us one time. Many years ago, when, uh, 1994, when my mother had had a cerebral aneurysm and she was in hospital for, for uh, 28 days and she was to have surgery for, the, for this hemorrhage in her brain. And so they were doing multiple testing and not to wear out the time on everything, but the details of all the testing, the, the, numerous, aneur- um, the numerous angiograms, the numerous CAT scans and MRIs that she had. And finally, they called us in a meeting because she had been in in ICU for three weeks and now she was on the step down unit it was her fourth week and so going in for that family meeting we did not know what they would be telling us and when we sat down at the table with the neurosurgeon in front of us and one of his other colleagues he said these are the testings that we have discovered when she presented to us on this day. She had a cerebral hemorrhage. There was no hope. There, there was a likeliness that she would come out a vegetable from this hemorrhage. And, and, and so we have completed angiograms. We, we had to postpone the surgery because of vasospasm. So her, her blood vessels were, were spasming. And if we were to go in, then it would be a risk for further bleed. And so he walked us through their journey as doctors while they did whatever they had to do to come to a conclusion of what they could do for her. But here she is now in the step-down unit and we're sitting before him as he tells us everything that we have known and walked through for the past 28 days. And he says, our final MRI results that came to us today was that we cannot find anything wrong. There is no sign of a bleed. There is not even scarring. You will just have to accept that this is a miracle. You will just have to accept that this is a miracle. Pour more water on the the altar. Make sure the altar is soaked. Make sure there is no possible way that fire can consume that wet, drenched altar. Because then they will know, then they will know that, Lord, you are God. You will have to accept that some things in your life you will never have answers to 
But when the day comes, you will look up and say, Lord, this is a miracle of you. Lord, you are God. Lord, you are God. When you're walking from obedience to obedience in this new year, in 2023, as you purpose to have new purposes, your new purposes that you are going to follow in God's purposes, know that you will not always understand what he is asking you to do. Know that you will not always see the end result, but know this, as long as you walk in obedience, that altar will light up with fire. That miracle of God will come at just the right time. And others that are around will say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Because they will see the miracle working hand of God. And so here is, is, is Elijah. He just finished this great feat. The biggest test of his obedience is calling down the fire of God. And then now these prophets bringing them. At the end of, of the story, these prophets are brought out and slaughtered. And he kills all of these prophets of Baal. And what do we see Elijah do? Does he run a party, a celebration party? Yahoo! The prophets of Baal are dead. Woo! Let's have a party. Let's have a feast. Let's declare a new Jewish feast. No, 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 no. He says, go to his servant. Go and eat. Go and strengthen yourself. But what does he do? He goes up to Mount Carmel and he positions himself in prayer. When you receive the answer, it doesn't end there. You have to keep the journey. You have to keep walking. Just because you got the answer you were looking for doesn't end the journey. There's stage two. And the only way for stage two to be birthed, and the only way for stage two to happen, because it's another test of your obedience, is the thermometer of your prayer. It's the thermometer of your prayer life. I'm not talking about what you do here on a Sunday morning. I'm not talking about what you do on a Zoom meeting throughout the week if you engage with our various prayer meetings of the church. I'm talking about what you do from day to day in your home, in your car, in your bedroom, in the shower, while you're washing dishes. What is the thermometer of your prayer life? Because Elijah knew that he had called down the fire of heaven, but there was still a famine in the land. The fire did not resolve the famine. The fire just caused the onlookers to say, yeah, your God is real. Uh-huh. The Lord, he is God. Oh, yeah, the Lord, he is God. But the famine was still a problem. And so Elijah had to pray. And there he prayed. And he sends a servant, go out and look. Nothing, nada, no, nothing, nada. Go out and look, nothing. And you wake up every day. Lord, is this the day you will break through? Lord, is this the day you answer the prayer? Lord, is this the day you bring the resolve? Lord, is this the day that I will get the phone call? Go out. Is there, is there a cloud? Is there a cloud? No. 
Lord, Lord, is this today? And he sends the man to look. But what happened was when there came a final moment and his servant came back and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Well, that's very subjective because some men have hands and other men's have hands. So you pick and choose how big that cloud was, but it was the size of a man's hand. It could be a hand or it could be a hand. But there was a cloud and the servant comes back and he says to Elijah, I see the, uh, a cloud the size of a man's hand and Elijah sends a message that there is the sound of rain coming. And what does Elijah do? He outruns the chariots. He girds up his, his, his uh, tunic. He girds up the tunic and he runs. And he runs. This guy's bionic. He runs past the chariots. Why? Because when you are in the purposes and plans of God, you will pass those that you think you could never pass. God will cause you to excel greater than those that could should be excelling before you. Why? Because he has the reign of his blessing upon your life. Why? Because you're walking in obedience. Why? Because your eyes are fixed upon him. Why? Because the temperature of your prayer life is in regular communication with him. Don't expect the rains of blessings to cause you to outrun those uh, obtaining the job that you should never have obtained. Uh, obtaining the blessings that you should never have obtained if your eyes are not going to be upon God. Don't just think opening up the Bible once a week and, and declaring a Bible verse as your promise is going to make everything wham, bam. It's all there. There was an incubator in Elijah's life that he had to grow through before he could get to the place of praying in the rain, before he could get to the place of believing that his prayers would actually bring the rain. See, there's one thing to pray for the rain, but there's actually another thing to believe that your prayers will bring the rain, that God will answer your prayers. You see, sometimes we pray lacking the faith that our prayers are gonna be heard, lacking the faith to believe that God is actually going to answer but hope makes us not ashamed. And Elijah believed. And so we think, wow, what a great man Elijah was. Boy, I want to be like Elijah. You already are. Because you know what happened to Elijah? Ahab went to Jezebel. He said, Psst, Jezebel, this guy Elijah, he's a threat to us. What do you mean? Well, you know, he killed all them prophets that we had. He killed the prophets. He killed the prophets? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. Furthermore, the, 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 the altar that was soaked, it, I mean, it, it got consumed, and, and, and then they brought all those prophets out and, and killed them. Well, let it be done to him, she said. Let it be done to him by this time tomorrow. Elijah gets that word. He's gone like a bat out of hell, right? 
I don't know if that's even something that could happen, but, but he, that's how the saying goes. He is gone like a whip. He is gone. He flees for his life. And what happens? He is going to pursue. He's going to hide. He's going to, to run and hide because why? He is afraid for his life because Jezebel has entered the scene. Oh, Jezzy. She's a troublemaker, you know. She really is. We all, we, we all like in, in Christianity, like to bind and, and, and I bind you, Jezebel, and I bind the spirit of and, and, and I bind and I bind. Well, you know what, who, who she is? Do you know who this, who this Jezebel is? You see, she is the one who brought Baal worship into the people of Israel. She comes from a lineage of false worship. See, her father was, how do you say his name? Ethbal, okay? And his actual name means to point to idol. His actual name is to point to an idol. But what happens is, beyond her father being the, the um, the, the, uh, the priest of Asheroth and, and Baal worship, she comes from the lineage of Ham. Do you guys remember who Ham is? You, you remember Noah's son? Oh, he was a bad boy. He lusted after his father. And that perversion came through the lineage of Ham because Ham had a son named Cush and Cush married this uh, Semiris, if, if that's how you say her name, and they had a son named Nimrod. And do you know what Nimrod was responsible for doing? Somebody said it. Building the Tower of Babel. And so through this building of the Tower of Babel, through Hem and Cush and Nimrod, comes this Baal worship, the lineage of false worship. And Jezebel's dad, as I said, um, Ethbal, his name meaning toward the idol. He was one uh, that was uh, the leader of the, the priest of the Ashtaroth, the moon goddess of Baal religion. And so she was marinated, if you want to say, in the lineage of Baal worship. She was bad news. And she is out for Elijah's life. Why? Because the attention has been taken off of her gods. And it's been put on Elijah's God. Why? Because he holds all things in the palm of his hand. Because why? Everything points to him to bring him the glory and, and him the honor. And she sends this message, 1 Kings 19, 2-3. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So the gods do to me and more so if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. What's wrong with us? The enemy goes, 
and we go, oh, and we run. The, en- the minute the, the enemy retaliates against us, we run and we flee in fear. What did he do? He ran. Are you running today because yesterday's miracle didn't carry you over today? Yesterday's miracle wasn't sufficient enough for you to keep trusting God? What happened? Did the enemy look you in the mirror today and make you so afraid that you felt like you had to run, that your faith was already defeated? What happened? happened to us Elijah the story continues in 1st Kings 19 verses 4 to 8 and it says but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree (sighs) it doesn't say sigh but that's what it feels like he did and he asked that he might die saying it's enough now O Lord Take my life away, for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and he slept under that broom tree. And behold, the angel of the Lord touched him. Elijah, Elijah, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and laid down. Then the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said arise and eat for the journey is great too great for you and he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb the mount of God he went on the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights you know when you read the word of God It's meant to feed your spiritual soul. It's meant to nourish your spiritual soul. It's meant to feed that place, that faith place that you can go. Essentially, what happened to Elijah, he went on a 40-day fast because the Lord sustained him on a hot cake and water that hot cake what was in it was enough for him to be sustained for 40 days journey i wonder what you're feasting on this morning what are you feasting on what thoughts have you nourished in the soul are you feasting upon the word of god because the next chapter of what Elijah is going to do is very, very pertinent. It's, it's very crucial that he obeys in this place. You see, I want to tell you something. Your obedience in walking out God's purposes for your life will affect another person's life. You see, somebody over here, the purposes that are meant to be in their life will only take place when you walk in the obedience of the purposes of your life. Stop being so selfish. God, answer my prayer. God, bring me the answer. And start walking in obedience. I don't get it, Lord. I don't see it, Lord. I don't understand it, Lord. I'm discouraged. I'm tired. I'm burnt out. And instead, walk 
in the obedience of what you don't see, knowing that he who has called you is faithful. He who has called you is faithful, and he will perfect that which concerns you. And so there Elijah walks for 40 days, and he goes to the Mount Horeb. What happened at Mount Horeb? Well, we see that Jezebel growled at Elijah, and Elijah became scared. New year, new purpose. New year, new purpose. In the next few days, when the discouragement comes to rise up within your heart, to rise up within your mind, no, Lord, it's a new year and it's a new purpose. My new purpose is that I will walk in the purposes of your word. I will walk according to the purposes that you have for my life. Lord, I don't see them, but I will walk in obedience. I will walk in trust. Lord, you have a plan for my life. Your plan is for my welfare and for my good. New year, new purpose purpose. God sends this angel. Elijah is fed of the angel. He is sustained for 40 days. Essentially what God was saying to Elijah, 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 listen to me. Put your name in there this morning. Melody, listen to me. Yes, Lord. As I provided the word for you to give to Ahab, And as I gave you the courage to stand before that king and deliver that word, as I hid you from that king and put you in a place called Cherith, and as I sustained you in that place called Cherith, while all around there was a famine, and as I led you out of Cherith, where you trusted in the food of ravens, and I led you into Seraphath, where there was neither enough for just two to eat, and I called you to trust me that you would eat as well, Lord Elijah, just as I led you through that time where that house was provided for for many days, Elijah, just as I used you to call forth breath into that child's life and that child came back to life, Elijah, just as I used you to call down the fire of heaven, Elijah, as I was with you, Melody, yes, Lord, as I was with you, so I was will be with you so I am with you now you don't have the answer you don't see the job you don't see the money you don't see the healing but he remains faithful he is with you and so there is Elijah oh Elijah as I was with you so I will be As I provided, so I will provide. Be careful. Don't retreat to the scare tactics of Jezebel. When the enemy comes in like a flood, know that the Lord will raise up a standard against it. God protected Elijah through the whole famine. He protected him from being overtaken from Ahab. At not one point did Ahab ever know where Elijah was, even when Elijah was under his own nose. You thought writing down a resolution for 2023 
would change things until it was 12.01. And you woke up the next morning and you looked in the mirror and nothing changed. Stood on that scale and nothing changed. But you resolved to follow a new diet and you've gone eight hours on it. You haven't eaten since 2022. But nothing has changed. And so you're discouraged. Elijah was discouraged. And the Lord found him in the cave. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, well, Lord, I'm the only one that's left. I am the only one. Verses 9 and 10 of, or, or verse 10 of Kings 19. Even I am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Remember I said he was on his way up to Mount Horeb? Do you guys all remember? Is that nice to say, do you guys? Do you all remember what Mount Horeb is? Do you all remember what Mount Horeb is? What happened on Mount Horeb? Do you remember, do you remember a man named Moses? Moses. Somebody should name their child Moses in this church. Moses. He was running from who, Pharaoh? Pharaoh was after the people and they were groaning and crying. And God heard their groans. And there Moses sees, while he's going up to, uh, while he's um, working for his father-in-law, a burning bush. Wow, this, burn is, this bush is on fire, but it is not being consumed. And as he approaches the bush, what happens? The Lord speaks to him out of the bush, and he says to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want my people to be set free. Are you kidding, Lord? You're asking me to go to Pharaoh? Are you kidding? God, I'm Moses. I'm Moses. And who shall I tell them has sent me? Remind me, Lord. I'm Moses. And he says, tell them I am that I am. Where is Elijah? He was en route up Mount Horeb. And he stopped short in a cave. And God says to him, Elijah, hello, what are you doing here? You know, we sang the song, we are standing on holy ground. When Moses approached the burning bush, the Lord said to him to what? Remove the sandals because this ground that he was standing on was holy. Elijah is going to a holy place, but he is stopped dead in a cave. And God decides to speak to Elijah and he sends him out. And he sends some miracles. He sends an earthquake. He sends a wind. He sends a fire. And he demonstrates his, his, his power through that earthquake, that wind and that fire. But God never spoke to him in the wind. In the big loud sound of the wind, God never spoke to Elijah. Nor did he speak to him when he shook the earth with a great earthquake nor did he speak to him out of the fire like he did for Moses when the tree the bush was aflame but not being consumed no no how did God speak to Elijah he spoke to him in a still small voice that takes shutting out the external noises a still small voice is a 
If you don't shut out the noise, you won't hear what is being said. And God speaks to Elijah. Elijah, there is so much more for you to do. I want to speak to you today. And I want to wrap up saying this. Your 2023, your 2024, should the Lord tarry, for however long he should tarry, is not based by the situation that you are in right now. There is so much more for you to do. He is calling you from the end to where your purpose is. Elijah. Elijah. First Kings 19, 15 to 16. Go, Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hezael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. You shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Elijah, your obedience has called you to anoint another. But if you don't walk in this obedience, that prophet will not be released to their calling. They will not be released to their purposes, Elijah, if you withhold your obedience. Do you understand? It's not happy new year. It's not a brand new resolution. It's God's plans and purposes for your life. But your obedience is what is going to release another into the plans and purposes that God has for their life new year new purpose but your new purpose is to walk in God's established purpose because there is an Elisha in the waiting to be released and they can't be released as long as you are selfish waiting for today's answer and not walking in the faith I don't understand it I don't see it but I trust in you I trust in you. God's purposes for your life were established far before the earth was formed. It's time this morning to step out. Maybe for some of you it might start with, Lord, forgive me for being so selfish and thinking it was all about me. Me wanting that perfect this and that perfect that. Lord, help me to walk in obedience when the road is really hard. Help me to walk in obedience when I know I don't know when the next door is going to open, where it will open, or what it will look like. God, help me to walk in obedience when I go to the till that I will trust you, you'll make provision for that day. God, help me to walk in obedience when the doctor declares what I don't want to hear 
to know that you are God. You are God. My new year, my new purpose is to walk in his established purposes for my life. Why? Because he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. This morning, you could step out into obedience and receive that heart that is willing to be molded by God, led by God, and held by God. Because he has a plan. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Where do you stand today? Can we all stand here in this congregation this morning? And can you just pause for a moment, close your eyes if that's how you have to close out the distractions, but close your eyes and shut your thoughts in with God. I just ask you to go into a vault right now with the Lord because he knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows where you're at right now. He knows his plans for your life. And would you just, right there in your seats, ask God, Lord, help me to walk in obedience in this year with you. Help me to walk in your purposes and in your plans. And Lord, let me not be distracted by any spirit of Jezebel that wants to distract me, that wants to hunt me down, that wants to kill me, that wants to abort the seed of purpose that you've deposited within me. Right now, see yourself as Elijah on Mount Caramel and position yourself in prayer and make today a dedication service to the Lord. Lord, I dedicate my life to you. Do what you wish. Do what you want. Mold me. Break me. As the band leads out in a song, use this time, this moment, to just lay it all before the Lord. There is another waiting for your obedient walk. And their life is depending on your obedience.